for the final question of our game show. GPT or not GPT? I'll read out a radiology report and you'll have to guess whether it was written by a human radiologist or by ChatGPT. Dr. Bayana, are you ready? All right, let's do it. Here's your report. A 3.5 centimeter well-circumscribed mass is noted in the left lower lobe of the lung with no evidence of hilar or mediastinal lymphadenopathy. Impression? The findings are suggestive of a solitary pulmonary nodule. Clinical correlation and follow-up imaging are recommended. Oh man, that's a tough one. I'll go with ChatGPT. The language actually does sound pretty realistic. I mean, it even asked for clinical correlation, but a little odd that it called it a mass and then a nodule. So yeah, I'll go with ChatGPT. Final answer. Ah, uh, I'm sorry to say your answer is absolutely correct. It was ChatGPT. Pretty incredible, isn't it? The AI's capabilities have come a long way. Yes, Satish, that is pretty impressive. I guess we've got some competition. Sure looks like that, but fear not. Let's dive deep into the world of ChatGPT and its applications in radiology during this podcast. Welcome to Radiologists, a podcast by University Medical Imaging Toronto, where we discuss the most interesting topics through the lens of Canada's largest medical imaging department. I'm your host, Satish Krishna, and today our guest is Dr. Rajesh Bayana. Dr. Rajesh Bayana, for those of you who don't know, is a Toronto guy. He was a resident of Toronto and he was a resident in radiology in the Toronto program. In fact, he was the best resident receiving the Garden Potts Award. Not only that, he was also the chief resident. He did go to the US to Harvard for his abdominal imaging fellowship, but he is back. He is back as not only as an abdominal radiologist extraordinaire, but also as the director of technology. And today, we are here to talk to him about ChatGPT, its applications in medicine, especially in radiology, why it matters, and our future directions. Ladies and gentlemen, let me present to you Dr. Rajesh Bayana. Rajesh, it's great to have you here. Hi, Satish. Thanks for having me. Rajesh, radiologist extraordinaire. All day, every day, you use technology to look into patients, right? For problem solving. But that wasn't enough for you. You were not content to looking into a patient with technology, but you also had to look into the technology itself and you became the director of technology. Can you tell me more about how you got into this and how this is unique? Yeah, for sure. I think in radiology, everything that we do is at the intersection of medicine and technology. So for us as radiologists, we're interacting with technology literally the entire time that we're working, both in diagnostic and interventional radiology. Technology is truly at the core of everything that we do. 
the imaging modalities themselves, the interfaces that we use to manipulate and interpret images, what we use to report and communicate those findings, even the hardware that we use on a day-to-day basis while working, I think the list goes on. So when I was asked if I was interested in being the deputy lead of technology uh, for our group, I really couldn't say no. I saw it as an exciting opportunity to help make improvements in what we do on a day-to-day basis and directly influence the quality of the product that we provide for other physicians and for our patients. Oh, yeah, I totally agree that radiology is one of the most tech-savvy specialties in medicine. Uh, But as we have all come to understand, technology comes with its own challenges, right? doesn't often behave the way we want it to. Uh, What were the challenges which you faced and how did you plan to make improvements? Oh, yeah, there are definitely challenges. I think we should be candid. Healthcare in general is expensive and there's often a shortage of resources in our healthcare system like in others. And as a result, there's often a substantial lag between the technology that's available and the technology that we actually implement and then use on a day-to-day basis in practice. I think we could have sat here on this podcast and I could have painted a rosy picture of the technology that we use on a day-to-day basis, dropped some buzzwords and phrases like customized pack system, artificial intelligence, computer vision, but I really don't think we'd be doing anyone any favors. For listeners who are unaware, our group built its own PAC system many years ago, which is not an enterprise solution like Sectra or Visage. And since we developed a product ourselves, we do have the benefit of being able to curate the product to our needs as radiologists. But because of the lack of resources available, there are always going to be things that we don't have that most other systems do have. But there are also things that we have that others don't. And with a long list of what we want to develop and limited resources, ultimately the decisions that we make when developing the product are optimization problems. And personally, I've always enjoyed optimization problems. In this context of our PAC system, we need to think, what incremental improvements can we make to improve the care that we provide the most? How can we solve a particular problem in a way that is practical and cost-effective, but still achieves the desired result? And what are the things that actually reach the referring physician or patient that are actually reading the report? It's interesting you bring up reports, because most people think that radiologists concern themselves only with images. They sit in front of a computer and look at images all day, images, images, images. But then we also need to produce reports, which is nothing but language. Are radiologists actually good at language as well? Do you think that this is where large language models can help us? What about ChatGPT? We keep hearing that ChatGPT is the fastest growing consumer application in the world to this date. Can you give us a brief overview of what ChatGPT is? I think ChatGPT probably needs little introduction. Everyone and their mother has at least heard of ChatGPT by now. But in the simplest of terms, ChatGPT is an AI chatbot initially specifically designed to understand and then generate human-like text. So you type in some text and it responds in seconds in a way that sounds a lot like a real human. And the ChatGPT application is based on OpenAI's GPT large language models or LLMs. 
When it was released in late 2022, it was based on GPT 3.5, which is still the most used model today. It's the one that you can use for free on their website. More recently, though, in March of 2023, GPT 4 was released in limited form to paid users. And so these language models are trained on massive amounts of data, like large proportions of the internet, including Wikipedia, books, articles, websites, etc. So what you're telling me is that it's just a glorified Siri or Alexa. It's just a chatbot that sounds natural. Uh, but how does it use this massive amount of data? So it's basically learning patterns and associations between words and all of that data, and then using probability to predict the most likely next word in a sequence. So when it's generating a response so quickly, it's spitting out the most likely next word just to continue its response. Now, because the data sets are so big and diverse, and with the help of an additional human feedback step, it starts to understand the context of quite a bit of language. And it starts to sound very, very coherent and human-like in conversations. That's interesting. What you're telling me is that it has this ability to predict the next word, and then it becomes very good at language. So I can see that it can be applicable in many areas where uh, linguistic excellence is needed, like, for example, writing stories or poems or a script or recipes or stuff like that. But how is it involved in medicine? Because in medicine, you need to learn facts. Can it really learn facts? So the model isn't really learning or memorizing discrete facts from this data like a human might. It's just using probability to predict the most likely next word, like you mentioned. But with the combination of the massive amount of data, the human feedback steps, and improvements in the underlying model, it's indirectly picking up factual knowledge and even some reasoning abilities. But ChatGPT doesn't truly think or know. It's just predicting words in a way that can often be indistinguishable from thinking and knowing. It sounds philosophical, like what is it to really think or know? But the way I see it, if it looks like a duck, swims like a duck, and quacks like a duck, it's probably a duck. It's also worth mentioning that the way it works has some pitfalls, like it can sometimes create long strings of text that are completely made up or incorrect, referred to as hallucinations. But overall, ChatGPT has proven to be versatile and impressive. It was named the fastest growing application in, in history, as you mentioned, and the list of capabilities are growing. It can quickly summarize long articles. It can answer your questions or even tutor you. It can create very specific content for you, like even writing articles, emails, or even computer code. Someone famously recreated the, the game Flappy Bird just by following ChatGPT's instructions. It can act as an assistant and even carry out complex tasks for you. And that's really just the tip of the iceberg. Similar chatbots are being incorporated into Google search. GPT-4 is being incorporated into Microsoft Office. It will literally create documents and presentations for you. These large language models will change how we interact with technology and have the potential to revolutionize many industries, including medicine. In fact, even Epic, everyone's favorite EMR, is planning to integrate GPT-4 into its interface. Oh, so it must have some use in radiology as well, right? Yeah, definitely. Ultimately, we communicate our findings with language to clinicians who are subspecialists, generalists, and even patients. 
and we curate the language that we use depending on who we're communicating to. So there are many potential applications that really aren't that far off related to our reports, like interpreting them, assisting with writing them, or even converting them into more understandable language for patients. But in order for LLMs to carry out all of these specific tasks in radiology, the model would first need to understand the context of the highly specific technical language that we use in our reports and in radiology in general. Once it can understand that to a high enough degree, then the possibilities are endless. Think of it as an assistant that can truly understand the medical and technical jargon that we use. Exactly. Isn't that the challenge? Didn't you just say that ChatGPT was just trained on massive amounts of data? But it was not radiology specific, right? So how would ChatGPT understand radiology jargon and all the factual information associated with it? Is it actually understanding radiology? Yeah, so based on the way it works, the fact that ChatGPT has proven to be pretty accurate in these general tasks that you mentioned are impressive, but even more impressive is how accurate it has proven to be in general professional domains. So ChatGPT based on GPT 3.5, again, still the most used version today, passed general professional exams in law and in general medicine, but we didn't know how it would perform in the subspecialty of radiology where the context of very specific imaging language is critical, like we mentioned. So to benchmark GPT 3.5, we put it to the test by giving it a board-style multiple-choice exam, similar to the Royal College or ABR MCQs. All of the specific details are in our paper, including all of the specific criteria we used for questions to make sure that they were well-worded and of appropriate difficulty. Bob Bleakney, who's an excellent radiologist and one of our co-authors, has great experience in the area, and he was instrumental for this project. It is important to point out that, of course, these were only questions without images. GPT 3.5 doesn't accept images. And again, the purpose of this study is to understand ChatGPT's performance and limitations in a radiology context, ultimately to help guide our use of language models like this. These models are becoming ubiquitous, and they're something that all radiologists need to know about. And then beyond current use, to understand how it does in a radiology context with radiology-specific language is important because all of the downstream applications uh, and potential applications in the future in our specialty first require that these models are accurate and reliable enough in a radiology context. So this study you're mentioning, you're talking about the radiology paper that was just released yesterday, right? Hot off the press. For all our listeners, uh, I would strongly urge you to go and read that paper because it it, it is brand new and it, it shows the potential for ChatGPT. But for those of you who don't want to go and read that, uh, let's have your Cliff Notes ver version. Uh, it's very fascinating. How did it perform actually? So ChatGPT based on GPT 3.5 nearly passed the board exam. It scored 69%. The Royal College considers 70% or above a pass. So this is pretty exciting. Remember, this is just a general model that wasn't specifically fine-tuned for radiology or test-taking, and it still nearly passed. Wait, are you telling me that ChatGPT was factually accurate, even though it was just trained on general data, not radiology-specific data? It's not really an information retrieval system, right? It's just a predictive and generative system. But it nearly passed. Wow. Yeah, definitely. 
We also looked at how it performed on specific types of questions as well. So we classified the questions into lower order thinking and higher order thinking questions based on Bloom's taxonomy, which is basically just a classification system to define levels of human cognition. And the higher order questions were further subdivided in a radiology specific way, like those that involve imaging descriptions uh, or those that involve calculations and classification systems in radiology and some other groups. And what was interesting was that GPT 3.5 did very well on questions involving lower order thinking, like knowledge recall and basic understanding, which could in theory lend itself well to quick information recall because it's spitting out these coherent responses in a matter of seconds. But in comparison, it struggled on questions that required higher order thinking, including those that required interpreting descriptions of imaging findings or applying basic radiology concepts. And knowing how the model works, that's not really that surprising. It's using a very, very large general training set. So we're going to expect there to be gaps where we're using highly specific technical language like imaging descriptions in radiology. And like we said earlier, understanding the context of that specific language is critical to enable more advanced downstream applications in radiology, like spitting out accurate differential diagnoses given imaging findings, for example. You know what? Thank God it only nearly passed and actually did not pass. And thank God it isn't that good at higher order reasoning, which is what a lot of what we do in radiology, actually. So, guys, we are not out of a job yet. Well, it's funny. We completed this study on GPT 3.5 before GPT 4 was released, with one of our key findings that GPT 3.5 struggled on higher order reasoning in radiology. And then GPT 4 was released to paid users. And right at the top of the product page, in big and bold letters, it claimed, GPT-4 surpasses 3.5 in advanced reasoning capabilities. They also claim that it demonstrated improvements on a number of general professional benchmarks like the bar exam and USMLE. So we had to find out if the claimed improved advanced reasoning capabilities actually translated into a radiology context. Oh God, how did it do? So GPT-4 blew 3.5 out of the water. It scored 81% on the exam, more than 10% improvement over 3.5. Wow. So it easily passed the exam. But wait, the exams were without images, right? GPT-4 still can't read or understand the images, actually. Yeah, not yet. So GPT-4 is multimodal and plans to be able to eventually accept images, but that hasn't yet been released. More generally, the application of transformer models in computer vision is evolving, which is also exciting. But the core of GPT-4 in its current form is the language model. So the primary goal of our study was to benchmark how it did in a radiology context for the reasons that we mentioned earlier. And as I mentioned, GPT-4 passed the exam, but more specifically, GPT-4 did, in fact, markedly improve on higher-order thinking questions. It got 81% of the higher-order questions correct compared to 60% for 3.5. So this does support that GPT-4's claimed improved advanced reasoning capabilities do, in fact, translate to a radiology context. 
it actually specifically did much better than 3.5 on questions that involved descriptions of imaging findings and applying concepts. And all of this suggests a better contextual understanding of radiology-specific terminology, which, again, is critical for more advanced downstream applications in our specialty. And this GPT-4, it came just after a few months of GPT-3.5, right? So within a very few short months, you're telling me that the improvements are so huge that it led to such a huge leap in performance. Wow, I still can't wrap my brain around it. A system that is just supposed to predict words and have human-like conversations has cleared a text-based board exam in radiology. And these are complex language-based questions and require a lot of knowledge and understanding. So it's actually as good as a radiology staff, not just a medical student, not just a radiology resident, not just a fellow, but actually a radiology staff. So is it ready to be used in practice to answer questions? And is it ready to be used in medical education as a radiology staff-level tutor in your pocket then? So I hate to be the skunk at the garden party, but not yet. As you pointed out, the model is definitely incredible and it's improved pretty quickly, but it still has problems that we should highlight. So GPT-4 did not improve on the lower order thinking questions. And it also got a bunch of questions wrong that 3.5 got right, which I think highlights some of the limitations of the model with respect to its reliability. Both GPT-4 and 3.5 also used confident language consistently in literally all of its responses, including all of the incorrect responses. And so its tendency to still produce confident-sounding but inaccurate responses or hallucinations is dangerous if these things are being relied on as a sole source of information. The current model does hallucinate less than 3.5, but it still isn't ready for high-stakes situations like real-life radiology practice or even to be relied on in radiology education where trainees may not recognize inaccurate statements as inaccurate. I think our experience with the model in general was in line with what Sam Altman, the CEO of OpenAI, tweeted about GPT-4, that it seems more impressive on first use than it does after you spend some more time with it. And that's because it's easier to see the flashes of brilliance before you experience some of its problems. Hmm, so it does have pitfalls. But it's still encouraging that uh, the frequency of hallucinations has decreased and then the model is improving so quickly. It's going to be really exciting to see how this all plays out in the future. And uh, with companies like Google and Meta, they're all working on their own products. And uh, yeah, it, it's the future is going to be really interesting. But getting back to life at present... What are some of the potential applications of this at the moment? And also, how do you think we will be using this now and in the immediate near future? So the list of future potential applications in radiology and medicine in general is growing, and I'm sure there are several that are yet to be discovered. I mentioned that GPT-4 is being incorporated into EPIC, um, so that's going to open up uh, many possibilities. Also, developers can build applications on GPT-4 with access to the GPT-4 API. So the model could, in theory, be fine-tuned for radiology and use human radiologist feedback to improve even more in our domain. And then downstream applications might include things like an instantly available expert radiologist on your phone to answer your questions, or even questions that patients or referring physicians have. 
an application that can take in multiple imaging findings and spit out very accurate differentials, or even being combined with computer vision to translate findings into a human-like radiology report, and probably with less dictation errors than I have personally. But for now, I think that the publicly available version of ChatGPT is probably best used to help with efficiency. So to brainstorm ideas, help start the writing process for articles and posts, and even to summarize long articles, the applications we mentioned earlier related to radiology reports are really not that far off, like helping to more efficiently generate reports or summarize them in a way that's more digestible for patients. I mentioned that GPT-4 is being incorporated into Microsoft Office as well, which is going to improve our, our efficiency in so many ways in academic medicine, including making presentations for teaching or for conferences. And then lastly, I think that if you decide to ask ChatGPT to quickly recall information in a radiology context, I think that's fine as long as you know its limitations and know that for now it always needs to be fact-checked. All of this is potentially very exciting. Is there anything else that we need to know? Any last words that you want to leave our listeners related to ChatGPT and the large language models in general? Yeah, I think it's important that everyone knows that these models are here and that they're being integrated into the world from search engines to Microsoft Office to Epic. They're going to change the way that we interact with technology. So everyone needs to be familiar with these models, know how they work, and understand their limitations. They are imperfect. But one of the reasons why OpenAI released ChatGPT publicly in an imperfect form is so that all of us can grow with the technology as it evolves, and ideally in a way that is responsible and benefits everyone. Ultimately, making these powerful tools more accessible to the masses at little or no cost will impact healthcare systems worldwide that are often faced with resource limitations, as we mentioned earlier. And those benefits will hopefully extend to radiologists everywhere, including us, and more importantly, to benefit all the patients that we serve. There you have it, guys. ChatGPT has passed the radiology examination with flying colors. It's not a radiology resident anymore. It's not a radiology fellow. It is a radiologist. But it still can't read images. It's like a blind radiologist. And also, it can have hallucinations. I mean, occasionally, it can lie once in a while. So it's like a blind radiologist who can occasionally lie. But do not underestimate ChatGPT because it's probably the smartest occasionally lying blind radiologist that has ever been encountered before because I want you to go back to the original intro that we had, the game show about ChatGPT or not ChatGPT in which the radiology text was actually written by ChatGPT. That's not the surprising part. The surprising part is that the entire intro, it was imagined and scripted by ChatGPT. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Dr. Rajesh Bayana, Director of Technology, who was talking to us about ChatGPT and the future, and me, your host, Satish Krishna. You were listening to Radiologists, 
a podcast by University Medical Imaging Toronto, the largest medical imaging group in Canada. Produced by Inna Levchuk. Learn more about us at universitymedicalimagingtoronto.ca and follow us on social media at Imaging Toronto. Thank you, everybody. See you in the next one.